It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello everybody, welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on Monday, April 29th, after the LA Galaxy's 2-1 victory over Real Salt Lake on Sunday evening at Dignity Health Sports Park. Uh, the LA Galaxy finish off their April undefeated, a, a very successful April, the most successful April in all of Major League Soccer for uh, for the Galaxy. So uh, they're looking like they're riding high, and now they will face probably one of their more difficult months and of course we're going to talk about that uh, a whole bunch to get to including some injuries uh, we're going to talk about uh, some some on the field incidents we're going to talk about the recap and of course sort of start pointing you towards this six game uh, May that is coming up for the LA Galaxy so a lot to get to and before we do that let's welcome back the man the myth the legend it is the panda himself Mr. Kevin Baxter Kevin how's it going buddy all right, not as good as it's going for the Galaxy, but not bad. I was going to say, uh, the Galaxy are, are hot, Kevin. They're hot. They're Major, scorching. They, they, are, they are on fire in every sense of the word. Um, it's interesting. You go back, and, and I think perhaps the Galaxy, <laughs> it's hard to say this, but I feel like people were sleeping on the Galaxy a little to start this month. Um, I still believe they're probably not uh, as recognized maybe as they should, but there's also some reasons for that is they probably could have lost some of those games that they played in uh, throughout the month of April, but the bottom line is they didn't. Uh, they finished the, uh, the month with four wins and one draw, um, so a successful uh, April for the LA Galaxy and and really sort of they needed to be successful within this framework, Kevin, as we sort of look just a little bit down the road at, at what's going to happen in this next month coming up in May with six games to play and four of six on the road. Yeah, like you said, best record in, in April, only undefeated team in April. But you were there yesterday. You heard Zalatan and, and Sebastian Legette talk a little bit about fatigue. That's what both of them blamed the poor second half on. Uh, the Galaxy just got done. It was a third game in 10 days. And so they were talking about fatigue. But if they thought they're tired then, yeah, this weekend they start a streak that's going to see them play three games in eight days, and they're going to have to travel uh, to the East Coast to start that. So you ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah, and, and certainly uh, while I respect Mr. Ibrahimovic and Mr. Legette's opinion on uh, on what caused the poor second halves, I will say it is becoming a broken record for the LA Galaxy to have an off half, whether that's the first half is bad and the second half is good, or the second half is bad and the first half, or, yeah, or, no, the sec- first half is good and the second half is bad. Yeah, that's what I meant. Okay, Just, well, I confuse y- myself. You know, their last three games, I noticed this in Minnesota, which didn't come off on TV, but uh, in the two home games, they come out for the second half really late. The other team is on the field for minutes. <laughs> Can we talk? Uh, the referees are on the field. Yes, yes. And, th- this and, has and been then a the thing. Galaxy come out. They really don't have a chance to warm up. They, they basically come out of the locker room and they have to start the game. Um, I, I'm, I'm not saying that that's the reason, but I don't know that it's not the reason. I mean, they, they come out and they're – they just walk out of the locker room right on the field and they have to play it. I'm wondering if they came out a minute or two early and stretched a little bit, whether you know they might get into the game a little bit quicker. Although last night you really can't blame the start of the half. The half itself was horrible. But the start of the half, 
um, is a lot to remember score almost scored on a header just a few minutes in. Yeah. No, he almost did, and and that's, you know, uh, again, it was a good start. But, I mean, we were sitting, and Kevin, I think it was a little bit of a joke, but we were sitting uh, in the press conference waiting to sort of start that press conference, and it was taking a little longer than it, than it normally does. We were sitting, maybe the first question should be asked whether, you know, Guillermo's watch works or not, because they come out late to the second half. It's been three games in a row. Um, I don't think it almost might be some gamesmanship. It almost might be that, you know, they just want to get one. They just want to talk for one more minute or two more minutes, however it ends. But it's now consistent that the other team shows up on the field, uh, whether it's home or away before the LA Galaxy are ready. And I'm sort of waiting for MLS to be like, okay, we're, we're going to we're going to find you if you show up late anymore. I don't know if they're really showing up outside the window, but it's it's really close because everybody seems to be standing around waiting for him. Yeah, if it's gamesmanship, it's not working. Because look at yesterday, the game was Salt Lake. The Galaxy had the ball about 70% of the time in the first half. I think it was 69.4%. So 70% of possession in the first half. They outshot Real Salt Lake 8-4. to four. That's not shots on goal. That's just shots, 8-4. to four. The second half, Real Salt Lake actually had dominated possession. They had 54% possession, and they took 18 shots. Yes, the Galaxy they did. had only three. Yeah, yeah. The totals, by the way, ends up 11 to 22. So 11 shots total for the LA Galaxy, 22 shots total for Real Salt Lake. Whenever you switch that on a target, however, six on target for the LA Galaxy, seven on target for Real Salt Lake. So uh, the possession still ended up in the LA Galaxy's favor, Kevin, about 55% to 45% whenever you look at it. But uh, looking at the shots that RSL was taking, th- listen, this is one of those times where you look at this game and you have to say, okay, David Bingham earned his, uh, his keep on this particular one. And I was looking at some David Bingham stats today. Uh, David Bingham currently ranked second in Major League Soccer right now behind Columbus Crew's Zach Steffen, uh, who with 77 point, I think, one or two percent uh, save percentage and Zach Steffen at 80 percent. And that's with uh, any goalkeepers, the, all the goalkeepers in the league that have seven games or more. Um, so you look at that and, and it's one of those things that I think you've been asking, Kevin, I've been asking is whether the Galaxy's defense is for real and whether David Bingham is for real. Um, and when you look at the play from Bingham, you know, that has, has sort of started here um, this season, you've seen a very consistent, a very improved David Bingham, and you've seen a very consistent, very improved um, LA Galaxy defense so far. Well, when you look at it, there's really only one guy who wasn't here last year, Polenta. I mean, they didn't, Shelvick didn't start yesterday, but Shelvick, Steris, and, and Felcher, those were three of the four starters, for the most part, last year, pretty consistent. Same three guys back. Now, Shelvick had been playing a different position. But what David Bingham and, and Daniel Steris told me is, yeah, it's the same guys, but we have a whole different game plan. You know, they're keeping their shape much better. They know what they're supposed to be doing. If you remember last year, they'd play a four-man back line. They'd play a three-man back line occasionally. Um, the defenders really had no idea what they were doing from day to day. And and Daniel Steris told me they go into each game with a game plan. They know what to do. They they know what to do if something breaks down. So they're very, very organized. They're, again, keeping their shape. They have a philosophy. It's much easier when things start to go bad if you are all starting on the same page. Then you know how to react to it. Um, so all that is really well and good. The other thing is David Bingham told me yesterday after the game, I wasn't aware of this, but before the season started, he met with, with Guillermo and the coaching staff. And I assume every player must have done this, but Bingham said in his talk, they said, look, we're going to set a couple of goals for this year. First goal is to win a championship. That's our goal. We're going to win a trophy this year. And then individually, they told David Bingham, you're good enough to be on the national team. Your goal, your individual personal goal, is to raise your level of play to where you're in the national team conversation again as you were a couple of years ago. And he feels like he he has a little ways to go before he gets to the level of 2016 when he was in San Jose. 
But th- that's that's his goal. That's what he's working for, and that's what the coaching staff set for him: win a win a title with the Galaxy, and then make it back onto the national team. Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. But you know, trying to get back on the national team. Here was uh, exactly uh, Guillermo Barros-Galotto's comments on David Bingham coming into uh, to his press conference after the game. He says, "I think he's getting better and better every game. He's pretty good. It's really good for us. Even we can take some risks because we know he's he's at a good level. We could give the possibility for him to be uh, to." to the rival to get him out of his box. But David is at a big level now. Maybe, I don't know about the national team goalkeeper, but he's at this level, and I think it's pretty good. So even Guillermo trying to drop a little bit of, you know, hey, the national team goalkeeper um, is 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 a goal for him. So, you know, yeah, David told you that. Guillermo told you that. It seems like it's something. Whether or not that's realistic, Kevin, and, and not following the U.S. men's national team probably as closely as I should, I know there's some players that he has to go through in order to get there. But, but whether or not that's realistic it's a good goal for him to have because I think Bingham thinks that he can get there and I think the coaching staff then can work with him to try to get him to that point and it always moves them you know in a I'm improving uh, position instead of I'm just going to be here and I'm just this I'm just the goalkeeper for the LA Galaxy it has to help mentally you know it, it, it Guillermo said that he thought David Bingham was pretty good my favorite quote though was when he talked about Zlatan and he said it's not easy to get players like him He's really good. Yeah. <laughs> he's really good. Yes, he G- is. Guillermo sees something in Zlatan <laughs> that the rest of us apparently don't see. He's really good, he said. Well, Guillermo was quite talkative in this postgame, um, which is usually not the case. I would say that he's yeah, usually... Yeah, I got a smile out of him. You got a smile out of him? You were talk- There was there were Maradona references. There was uh, Messi and Ronaldo references. Uh, it was funny. I think the, the main thing was you, you, sort of, you, you sort of asked after Guillermo had hinted um, that, you know, that that Ibrahimovic is up there at the level of Cristiano Ronaldo and and Leo Messi. And then Guillermo had sort of said something about Maradona. He goes, well, is is he at the same level of Maradona? Basically, Guillermo came back and says, I can't be neutral about Maradona. I played with him. He's means he's means he's more than a soccer player in Argentina. Um, and so I, I can't I can't be neutral about that, which I thought was yeah. a, a fun sort of, you know, back and forth. Yeah, that was pretty funny when I asked him if he'd ever seen anyone like Zlatan. And his answer was, "You know, I played with Maradona, right?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it, it was it was good. It was a good back and forth. But you know, getting back to this game, even looking at the lineup, there were some changes in this lineup that I think really helped the LA Galaxy. And we've talked a little bit about the second half and how bad that was. And and I think we both agree, and the players agree, it wasn't good. And some of it was probably because they were tired, and some of it is because this is their habit of not playing good um, in one half of their soccer games. But the not first half, well. yeah, okay, not playing well in their soccer games. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Grammar Police. Um, I, I will say this about the first half, though. The first half was one of the most exciting bits of soccer I've seen the LA Galaxy play um, with Ibrahimovic on the field. You would have to go back to Minnesota when Ibrahimovic didn't play to sort of get that same sort of excitement, and not the the midweek game Minnesota, the one where the Galaxy played at home and beat Minnesota three to two in one of their more complete games, where I said that they probably won about seventy minutes of completeness. Um, but in this particular case, Chris Pawnee is coming in for the injured Roman Alessandrini. We're going to talk about that. Um, and Tuna over there on the left, who I thought had a great game. Uh, the other changes was Felcher came back into the lineup at right back with uh, Julian Araujo not in the lineup, but he did train on Saturday ahead, and it was more... Uh, they figured that they had the reinforcements that they needed, and they didn't need to push Araujo. So I would expect that Araujo would be available uh, if they need him for this New York run and and for these these string of games that come in the next uh, next eight days after this weekend. So I think that's there. Um, and then it was uh, Jorgen Shelvick goes to the bench. 
um, in place of Didi Traore, who I had talked about on Thursday night having a huge game for LA Galaxy 2, playing out of his mind, and the next thing you see is Didi Traore coming in and starting at left back. Now, some people have pointed and said, well, Guillermo watched Jorgen Shelvick play, Kevin, and he's decided that if Traore is playing good down at LA Galaxy 2, that that warrants senior team minutes right now and that they could easily put Jorgen to the bench. Uh, I think it's a combination of two things. I don't think it's just Jorgen's play. I think it's also the travel, and it's also how busy it was, right? And so you look at all those things, and I think that's what sort of made Traore over there at left back. Now, uh, having said all of that, Triore was the highest rated player by who scored on the field, and I can understand why they had it. Yes, he looked exhausted in the second half. I would imagine he was exhausted, much like the LA Galaxy in the second half. But uh, throughout the game, he put in some good defensive work. His one big mistake, and Guillermo even you know, sort of uh, uh, pointed it out, was on the goal that RSL scored, that he followed the wrong guy, that he allowed somebody to get in behind him, and that's really what led to the shot, which Bingham saved, and then the eventual putback um, and goal by... Uh, let's see who scored that goal. I was gonna, I was gonna, I thought I had it easily in front of me. There it is. Is by uh, Donnie Toya. Um, so looking at all those things, I think you know, Didi uh, uh, Traoré was a good, was really good in his ML, his first MLS start. He had two minutes before, so it wasn't an MLS debut. But in his start, uh, he comes in, and now if you look, Kevin, you have a 20 year old left back in 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 Didi Traoré. You have uh, a 17 year old right back in Julian Araujo. And the LA Galaxy feel like they are more poised to have guys who can just play for now and into the future than perhaps they have had in quite a long time. Well, the interesting thing about Didi Traore is, is when uh, it looked like Araujo was not going to be able to play, my first thought was Dave Romney. Um, I, I was not as enamored with his performance, Traore's performance at Galaxy 2, because I think there's a huge, huge step up from usl in galaxy 2 to mls and the galaxy so um just saying hey this guy had a great uh game down on the track field you know let's bring him into uh the main stadium and we'll sure you know he'll play the same that i, I don't think that necessarily follows oh by the way the other thing is is he celebrated his first mls start yesterday with a, a bottle of champagne and he's only 20 so yeah but it's the, that's it, that's illegal in, Fran- do that. in france it's not <laughs> in france it's not so we're, well, I know, we're not we're, in france it's and, allowing and that, it it kind of brings the other point he, he's a 20 year old a guy who um, was signed after he won an audition, essentially. It was a casting call, whatever you want to call it. He showed up, uh, wasn't scouted, uh, performed well, signed, and has proven himself. And he replaced a guy making a million dollars a year, you know, the yes. mo- one of the most expensive defenders in the in the league, in Shelvick. I did think that maybe Dave Romney would come in there, and I th- uh, your answer to that yesterday was that Guillermo sees Romney as a center back. Romney sees himself as a center, center back. back. He yep. can play outside back, but he is a center back. And so Guillermo is saying, this guy's a center back. We're not going to move these players around anymore. And maybe that's what Steris and Bingham are getting to, that they have a plan, that if you are a center back, you are a center back, and you don't move back and forth. Um, so maybe that's part of Guillermo's strategy too. He'd rather play a 20-year-old and give him his first start than push Romney out there because he wants Romney concentrating on playing center back. Yeah, and Dave Romney now it looks like on Monday as we're recording, uh, LA Galaxy 2 plays, and we've been told that it looked like Romney would be down with Galaxy 2 um, in this particular game. I don't know if the lineups have come out yet as we're recording, but that's that, that was sort of uh, uh, suggested to us that that might be the plan. Um, so uh, in order to get minutes, and that was really what, what, the, uh, what the answer was for that. Um, so anyway, so you had you had Felcher back there, who I think still looked like he's not 100% recovered to me, Kevin. Um, still looks like he was uh, he wasn't quite as quick, although he was good in the first half again. But that's the that's the thing about the first half. You and a bunch of people 
um, had talked about the LA Galaxy's over-reliance on Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And, and I understand the sentiment. Lots of people have that sentiment, um, including experts all across. On my Thursday show, which I was by myself, I get to say crazy things whenever I'm by myself. You know this. Uh, so when I'm talking to myself on the Thursday night shows and, and there was no co-host, I said the problem with the LA Galaxy is that they weren't using Zlatan enough. It wasn't that they were over-relying on him. This they weren't using him enough. And I said, if you get Zlatan Ibrahimovic to be the playmaker and to have guys run in and around and behind him, that's how you get more offensive threats. And that's going to open up places for other players to run in, run in behind. And I was talking about Antuna and Legette, and in this particular case, you know, Boateng and Pontius. That's what you wanted to see. And what happened in the first half is Zlatan Ibrahimovic, as he explains it himself, basically says, I was getting bored, I was getting lonely, and I wanted to come find the game, so I dropped deeper. And we've seen this from Zlatan. And it works to different to, to varying degrees depending on sort of what the defense is around him. But with Zlatan dropping back, it forced Leggett up and over top of Zlatan. It forced Antuna to run in behind Zlatan. It, it forced Pontius to run in and sometimes even take above a position above Ibrahimovic uh, more than just playing sort of that, that right midfield. And what you saw was a fluidity and a diversity in an attack that RSL could not keep up with. That it was led the to, led to the first goal. It led to the first goal absolutely 100%. And by the way, Diego Polenta uh gets gets a a tip of the hat as well there Kevin. He had one assist on the uh on the night, but really he was the main reason for both goals as he penetrated forward and was able to put passes into dangerous places that eventually led to both goals. So Diego Polenta, the the roaming center back as one Yella Van Dam used to be, um, actually getting the offense going as well. So all of these things combined to do exactly what you wanted to have happen, Kevin, which was that the Galaxy did not 100% rely on Zlatan Ibrahimovic, that Uriel Antuna um, comes in, 21-year-old Manchester City loney comes in and scores his first, and he confirmed this, his first senior team goal. So uh, apparently wherever he was playing in, in Holland uh, before Kevin, he didn't get any senior team goals. And so he said it's a, it's a senior team goal. Well, I, that was that That's important and it's good. So it's almost like his first professional goal whenever you really think about it. It's not because he's been being paid for for a while. But all those things sort of combine to, to saying that the LA Galaxy had the diversity and attack that you and a lot of Galaxy fans wanted. And that came at the ability for Ibrahimovic to drop down and play playmaker. And I think that's going to be an option for him and choosing when to do that and how to do that and still getting chances for Ibrahimovic in the box where he's most dangerous is sort of the balancing play the Galaxy need to figure out from here on out. Well, I, I, I'm going to argue with Zlatan a little bit because um, RSL was so flummoxed by uh, Zlatan's decision to drop back that I wonder if that was maybe part of the game plan is, uh, you know, you saw in Minnesota, uh, Minnesota United had three guys around Zlatan at all times w without the, you know, the additional threat of Ramon Alessandrini on the field. They really had no one else to worry about. And they had three guys on him. And whenever he got the ball, they collapsed on him. And as a result, Zlatan had three, only three shots. Um, in the entire game, one on goal, and it just did not have a good game offensively. And I'm wondering if the coaching staff looked at that and said, let's drop him back a little bit. Uh, RSL will follow him up the field, and that will open up things behind him. And I think you saw that in the first half. Now, it didn't work so well in the second half. And by the way, I do think Polenta's goal or his assist was a great pass, but I think it was more a defensive, a miscommunication. It went right between the two center backs, neither of whom really moved. They kind of each looked at each other, and the ball squirted between them. And that led to the goal. So I think RSL might have helped on that a little bit. So I, I think that might have been by by design. I do want to 
mention something else about Zlatan at the risk of, of it drawing the ire of a million people. Um, yes, Zlatan's off to the second fastest start to an MLS, MLS career in history. Yes, in 34 goal uh, games, he has 31 goals. Only one player in the history of the league has ever done better. But as everyone notices, and there's been a ton of comment about it on social media, Zlatan does have a very short fuse in the field. If a pass does not go the way he wants it, if someone takes a shot, when Zlatan feels he's open, he's very uh, demonstrative and he's not shy to, to let people know what he thinks. Uh, and there are some people that said, well, you know, all strikers are like that. And that's true. Robbie Keane was like that, too. I, I think Zlatan, because of probably maybe because of his size, seems to take it to a new level. And I think there are some people that feel like he maybe he's throwing his teammates under the bus a little bit by showing his displeasure at their play. And he was he seemed to be very rough on Pontius and Rolf Felcher yesterday. Um I I get the sense that some of the players are getting a little bit tired of that. Everyone says to a person, Julian Araujo told me that Zlatan is great off the field, that he's very he's very uh, genuine and generous with his time and advice. And a lot of players say that, um, you know, Dave Romney, who was the subject of a lot of Zlatan's ire last year, talked about how on the field, you know, he's he's a, a jerk, I guess is one way to say it, that he's really on players, wanting them to be better, but is very tough on them. And then when the game ends, all that's gone. As Zlatan said yesterday, what happens in the field stays on the field. But my point is, last year we used to ask players, have you ever seen anything like that? Did you ever see anyone like score goals like that? Did you ever see anybody take over a game like that? And they they all answered the same way. No, this is tremendous. We've never seen that. He's such a great teammate. I've tried that same question a couple times this year, and the players I've asked it of have deflected it back onto themselves. I remember asking one player about coming back from injury and how Zalatan played so well coming back from injury, and the player said, well, I'm coming back from an injury too. What about me? Uh, and you kind of saw it, I thought, with Sebastian yesterday. We asked about um, Zalatan scoring the game-winning goal and how he stepped up, and, and Sebastian talked about how he made the pass for the assist. And I think some of the players are feeling like, their contributions are getting a little bit ignored and that uh, whether it's us in the media asking the questions only about Ibra or whether uh, it's Ibra sort of taking the spotlight to himself, I think some players are feeling like it's kind of wearing thin a little bit. I'll, I'll disagree with you. I, I don't of think... Of course you will. Uh, of, of course, course you yeah, will. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, I don't think they care. I, I'll be honest. Right now that they're winning, nobody cares about anything. They're winning. If, if things start going sideways, uh, if things start getting bad, they'll care more. Um, but to be honest, they, I don't think anybody cares right now. The Galaxy are winning. They're finding ways to win. Uh, they're beating good teams. I was watching a bunch of games over the weekend, and I said, you know, hey, maybe the Galaxy's you know, best game really this season was against Philadelphia in terms of the opponent that they beat, but you also have to look at Houston. Uh, the Houston Dynamo continue to impress outside of the game where they played against the Galaxy, which people have argued they should have won. Um, I would argue that the Galaxy have played in many games now that other teams should have won. It's it's the good teams, and, and not to sound like a broken record, but it's the good teams who on days where they don't play great are still winning. And right now the Galaxy are that team. I don't think we've seen a complete performance from them. Um, and certainly that has left Zlatan and many to sort of question the way that they have uh, performed and been angry at some of the results that they've had. And, you know, Zlatan still thinks that the, the draw in Minnesota was two, was three points lost or two points lost uh, with the draw. Um, you know, having said all that, you look at the LA Galaxy and they've dropped a total of five points through nine games, Kevin. I mean, bottom line and is winning, right, winning fixes good. everything. Yeah, winning fixes everything, though. No, they haven't looked good. You're you're absolutely right. When you, I mean, they should have lost the Chicago game. I think there, there's a number of these games that they could have lost. I don't. You're right. They haven't put a 90 minute performance together. They really haven't looked good. And you said they're finding ways to win. 
in a way, Zlatan's finding ways to win. He has four game-winning goals. Um, and when the game gets, you know, like yesterday's game, it's coming down to the wire, he finds the way to score the winning goal. So if the player, if I'm right and the players are, are a little bit uh, uh, jealous or, or tired of the act, um, or if you're right and they're not and they just care about winning, the fact of the matter is they are winning and Zlatan's making them win. So, uh, you know, it's all good as long as you keep – you're right. It's all good as long as you keep winning. But if, if he hits a little bit of a drought and the team goes south, um, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'll say this as well is that I think that that's, you know, everybody and, – and certainly even in my recap, you know, you can see that there's a heavy presence of Zlatan Ibrahimovic. When you score a game-winning goal, that's what's going to happen. Um, but the fact is that the team, even in a half that they were dominated by RSL, um, found a way and got a pass. I mean, Sebastian Legette running into the space. You know, Diego Polenta cut, penetrating through, lobbing a ball over the top. Zlatan kicking it back out. It's still a team game. And Zlatan very rarely scores these scores these goals all by himself. In fact, it, I don't think it's happened this year that he scored a goal all by himself. Um, he didn't. He hasn't been creating a ton of these. He is finishing these and that's what you need them for and I think the players understand that um, I also think that we've seen the Galaxy play at levels that have rivaled some of their 2012 and 2011 and maybe even the 2010 years um, maybe even 2014 with the with the tiki taco uh, you know sort of football that, that was branded after that I think we've seen them play that way. It just hasn't been consistent throughout the game. The first half against Real Salt Lake was just dominating. RSL had no answers for it. Uh, it's the same thing that Philadelphia and, and uh, head coach Jim Curtin said after it. Is they play at a pace that we were not familiar with. And I think with the Galaxy, and if you look at the draw in Minnesota, I certainly talked about the field conditions, it took away their ability to be quick and to be fast and to sort of use that pace against them because you saw guys slipping all over the place in the first 10, 15 minutes, and then nobody slipped anymore for most of the game, and that was usually because they slowed down. Um, they had to. They had to adjust to the field conditions. So you look at the Galaxy, and their potential right now is through the roof. It's just finding that potential and allowing Zlatan to be the star. Let him be the star. Let him do what he needs to do in order to get fired up. And in this particular game, apparently it was manufacturing a, a duel with a player from Real Salt Lake. And I'm sure that I'm going to just say his name wrong because I've been practicing it. I'm um, not even going to try. I, well, I, I was trying. So it's it's Natum Onuoha. Um, Natum Onuoha. Oh, that's really good. I, I, oh, you I, did a good job. Yeah, I, I went to the pronunciation guide on the website. I had to try it, and I've been saying it. So Natum Onuoha. So Onuoha uh, and, and Ibrahimovic get into this. Now, I did not notice anything until about the 60th minute, and that was when ever Ibrahimovic decided to drag Anoaha down by the shoulder in just one of those, I'm going to get a yellow card, and I'm going to pull you down, and it was you know one of those things that you see Zlatan do. Now, all of this is sort of under the idea, and I think that Galaxy fans are under the idea, that these two were jawing before that. I didn't notice it beforehand, but I started paying attention after that because obviously that was whenever it, it really popped up. Now, that could have happened earlier in the game. Don't know. But Zlatan was looking for something, and he even talked about it in the postgame, Kevin. He was looking for something to quote-unquote activate him. Right, he was. It was basically. He's like, I'm not saying I'm gonna fall asleep, and like that's almost saying that, hey, I wasn't interested in the game because there, I need something to get me going. And so Ibrahimovic, uh, fab. I, I don't want to say fabricated, but but manufactured. That was the word. Manufactured this duel with Anuha 
and he comes in, and now these two are jawing at each other for most of the second half, and especially whenever Zlatan scores the game-winning goal. Zlatan, instead of just being a happy camper that he just scored a goal and going to celebrate, goes and screams in Anuaha's face on a yellow card. Could have been another yellow card. Um, could have seen Zlatan seen, seen red and would have missed the next game against uh, the Red Bulls, in which uh, the Red Bulls are currently missing uh, Kaku, so you would have had you know two major players for each team not playing. Um, so looking at all that, that was sort of the the on-the-field stuff that happened there. And I think Anuha was also giving it back to Zlatan. It looked like he was certainly yelling and screaming at him as well. Um, so they were sort of going back and forth at, at most of the game. The interesting part comes, though, after the game. Uh, whenever Zlatan Ibrahimovic entered the Real Salt Lake locker room to, I, I think he said apologize, right, Kevin? Yeah, he said he wanted to apologize, and he said what happens on the field stays on the field. And that kind of goes back to the Romney thing. So a lot of time it's one guy on the field, and when the whistle blows, he's a completely different guy. The lion becomes a pussycat when the whistle blows. Yeah, it, it very well could. Um, and then so uh, so Zlatan went in to apologize, and uh, Anuha was not happy with that or didn't like and, and didn't accept the apology. Uh, this is what uh, Anuha said after the game, uh, and he says, uh, he came in to apologize. 60 minutes into the game, he started telling me he was going to do me over and hurt me. This is a guy who is the face of MLS, as he calls himself. I don't care what he says. I'm not going to accept his apology. It's unacceptable. That, that is, if you're not going to accept it, it is absolutely unacceptable. Um, I One, as a reporter watching this game, I appreciated the drama. Um, two, as somebody who watches the game and, and enjoys soccer, uh, I don't care for Zlatan's tactics. Uh, but I'll tell you this. Uh, I had an employee come in and talk to me today um, at my real job whenever I was working, and he said, hey, did you see the game? Yeah, you I have said, a job? I do, a real job, sometimes. Congratulations, it, when did that start? Yeah, hey, it's been, it's all the time, man. That's how it works. Um, but he comes in, he goes, hey, I saw that Zlatan played. He goes, he goes, why was he getting into it with Anuaha? And I told him, I go, because he needed something to get him going in the game. And he goes, well, he needs to stop that. He goes, he's going to end up hurting the team. I go, that doesn't matter to Zlatan, and it doesn't matter to the LA Galaxy. If you get Zlatan Ibrahimovic, you understand that he he is going to have fits and temper tantrums that are going to hurt the team. He did it last year where he, how many red cards did Zlatan get last year? Was it two? Um, but he's received red cards. He's seen yellow cards. He has been suspended for games. All of these things have sort of, you know, come together to understand that Zlatan Ibrahimovic is a, an extreme emotional animal that will go out there and whenever he needs to, Kevin, he will manufacture drama in order to pump himself up. And I told uh, the employee, I was like, if Zlatan Ibrahimovic doesn't start this particular uh, duel or, you know, this trash talking, whatever it is, he doesn't score the game winning goal. I truly believe that because that's what Zlatan needs to get going. I don't like it. I think it'll end up hurting the LA Galaxy. But if you're the Galaxy, you live with that because you live with it because he's going to come out and score the game winning goal for you. If, if, if it all goes to plan. So that's that's sort of the thing. For for Anuaha's comments, um, he's a guy who got beat as well. I mean, we have to understand that he, he got beat for the game-winning goal right in front of him by Zlatan Ibrahimovic, a guy who he was drawing with as well. I don't have any problems with Anuaha's stance on not accepting Zlatan's apology. That doesn't bother me at all either. Well, here's a couple of uh, multiple problems with that story. One, one, first of all, you having a job. I'm not sure I'm buying that. But <laughs> yeah. even if you did have the job, Having a coworker come in and as you as you paraphrased him, pronouncing Anuaha's name correctly, that also stretches <laughs> credulity. Um, and, and then uh, just a, a factual correction: Zlatan had one red card last year, right? And it was um, it was for that hands to the face uh, incident uh, yeah. against 
who was it against? Was it Chicago? It wasn't Chicago. No, uh, it wasn't Chicago because that, that game in Chicago was the game when it was like 18 degrees. Remember, he scored yep. the only goal at the end of the half. Yep. He has five yellows. He has two yellows already this year, including one yesterday. Yep. But the red card was before the Minnesota game, I think, because he missed that Minnesota game at home. Yeah. So I forget who they were playing. Yeah, I'm sure I can I can find but, it. But eventually. you're absolutely right. It, you know, first of all, Anuaha is a guy who played eight years uh, in the Premier League with Manchester City and had over 100 uh, appearances. So this is not a shrinking vial. This is not a, uh, you know, a as we see many MLS defend, uh, defenders, you know, a young kid that played in college and really hasn't played outside the U.S. This was a seasoned guy, and maybe that's why – um, Ibra went after him, but you're absolutely right. He was not, um, was not in the game, I, I guess is the best way to, to put it. And he need to fire himself up and, uh, for him to be smart enough to recognize, I need to do something. I need to get into this game. I need to, you know, he said, he said, he, um, he talked about sort of, he needed something to, to set the fuse and for him to be smart enough to do that, you know, uh, you know, speaks to his experience. It's not. You're right, though. It's not new. If you remember, he came in, played 19 minutes in the first El Trafico, and had those two brilliant goals uh, to beat LAFC very early in the 19 minutes that he came in. We're talking like five to ten minutes after he'd come off the bench. He was barking at Carlos Vela. He went right after their captain, yes. their guy that had scored two goals, their uh, you know World Cup star went right after him, and that was what sort of got him into that game. And th- that to me was sort of a wake up moment too, because. He's just brand new in the league, and here's one of the the, the uh, uh, players in the league. Zlatan's in his first ten minutes in yep. the league, and he's going after the guy already. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was it was interesting. I mean, that's how it is. I mean, that's that's how it all is, and that he's been doing it since he was at Malmo. This is nothing surprising. Um, if you're surprised and shocked by this, you just you don't know your history. I'm not, and by the way, that's not me condoning it. Um, as long as there was nothing that crossed the line in terms of you know anything racial, um, anything prejudicial, any of that, I'm I'm usually okay with trash talking. Uh, the fact that Zlatan does it so. Uh, visibly is probably just what's different because I know there's trash talking in, in most of these games um, as it goes, and you just don't get to see it. Zlatan, because of his size and because of his larger-than-life uh, persona, Kevin, usually takes the, the, the brunt of this stuff. I just... I, I, if it's me, I would prefer he didn't do it. Understanding that he uses it to fire him up as a galaxy, you live and die by whatever he does, and I would understand why fans enjoy it. I wouldn't understand why fans don't enjoy it. I get all sides of it, and I just, it, it just is what it is. It's not something for me to get upset. All right? This is a fact. This will happen. It will continue to happen for Zlatan. And whether or not he gets fined by the league or suspended by the league or anything is is something that is going to happen and come down. And that's that's what you have to deal with if you're the Galaxy. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, he didn't do anything. You're not going to fine or suspend him for for pulling the player down. So no, that that's the one physical thing he did. Um, I, I would have, I would really, I agree with you. Uh, you know, I, can't we all get along, you know, can't we just all <laughs> yes. play and have fun? Yes. Um, but it, you know, he didn't do that. He was, he was trash talking. How can you find a guy for trash talking? Because you saw him or because it's, it's because it's Ebra, all, all eyes are on him. That's another thing you talk about his, he's big, he's larger than life. Everyone's watching him. Um, how do we know Joe Corona wasn't barking at somebody? Yeah. You know, how, how do we know that, uh, you know, other players weren't doing Beckerman or uh, other players weren't doing the same thing because we weren't watching them. So, uh, and we don't know what he, what was said, and, and, unless someone comes forward and said, here's exactly what he said. And this crossed the line. 
We don't even know what was said. For, for all we know, he was saying, hey, you want to go out to dinner afterwards? I know there's a really good <laughs> in and out by here. We don't know that's, you know, he maybe that's what he said. We don't know. So to, to find a guy or suspend a guy because he's trash talking, if it's if it doesn't cross the line, if it's not personal, it's not racial, um, let him it, it, it's let it go let because it go. you don't know what other players are doing. I, I would think the only thing that MLS might have a dim view on is Zlatan Ibrahimovic going into the locker room of Real Salt Lake. Now, people have pointed out that that's perfectly fine as long as you go in there. And, you know, and if Zlatan really did want to go in and apologize, which seems like it would, but I did see that they had to be separated sort of and ushered apart in that locker room. So that's why it's sort of like, okay, now you go into the locker room. You know, Did you need to be there? Was that the important thing? And, and Zlatan may have wanted to be like, maybe he went up to him and said, hey, man, that was a great battle. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, and and had that that professional courtesy that we've heard Zlatan has whenever he's off the field. Maybe that was what it is. We have no idea. I didn't get the audio from it. You can see the video, and it's out there. Um, but it's just it's just interesting. I know there's people. It's it's certainly the hot button issue. It's the thing people are sort of talking about today, um, where RSL fans are complaining. Um, I think uh, head coach Mike Petke said he wouldn't say enough to get himself in trouble, so he just sort of stayed out of it. Um, and that was a guy. But I mean, bottom line is that. You're, you're hearing from Zlatan Ibrahimovic who said it wasn't an issue and he's the guy who scored and he's the guy who initiated all this. And then from the other side, you know, Anuaha is basically saying, hey, you know, he's he, you can't say these things to, to people. That's not how you act like professional. And you're also talking to the guy who got beat for the game-winning goal. So, I mean, there's there's all sorts of different angles that you can put at this. And my, my, my bottom line on this is that it's Zlatan Ibrahimovic. This is not the first time. It's not the last time. And you live and die by the consequences that he generates, whether that's red cards, whether that's anything else. And by the way, the red card was against Montreal. Oh, it was. Okay. Um, And this is his second locker room incident in five days, by the way. I know you didn't read my game story for Minnesota, but after the game, one of the Minnesota players uh, padded down the hallway in his uh, shower sandals and shorts and had a a T-shirt on and brought his his sweat-soaked jersey over to the Galaxy locker room. He's the only guy that came over from the Minnesota locker room. He brought his – he was a Norwegian player, and he came down with his jersey – uh, and wanted to trade with Zlatan and went to the Galaxy locker room and was stopped, was not allowed to go in and stood outside and uh, and waited, I don't know, maybe 15 minutes, which, frankly, I kind of thought was 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 not a good thing. I mean, he's he may not be, uh, you know, a, a World Cup player like like Ibra, but he is a professional soccer player that just played a game against Ibra. And Ibra made him wait 15 minutes before the bodyguard. Ibra has a bodyguard, by the way. Right. Before the bodyguard brought out. Uh, Ibra's jersey and they exchanged it and the player never got to shake Ibra's hand uh, but he did get his jersey so uh, that's what he wanted you know that's uh, that's, what, that's what you get whenever it happens alright so uh, why does Ibra have a bodyguard he's the biggest guy in the league Which shouldn't Boateng have the bodyguard <laughs> I think I think uh, Ibra is Boateng's bodyguard that's true. That's yes. probably true. That's how it works. Um, anyway, so that's a. It's just it's just an interesting little tidbit. I, I'll just closing up the RSL, you know, sort of mailbag and, and this game. I thought Chris Pontius was the answer to Roman Alessandrini's absence. I thought Chris Pontius was excellent. Um, his ratings certainly showed that he was an excellent player in this particular night. Uh, he is the guy who can create some offense. He's a known goal scorer. He's a hustler. He knows the passes. He combines well with Ibrahimovic. He is that going to be that answer. Now the the, the question. Mark is can you rely on him to be sort of that steady presence at that position and start every game until September as we talk about uh you know Roman Alessandrini and his injury so that is 
that sort of, you know, I, I think closes. I know Antuna had a really good game and people were really high on him. Um, you know, for me, uh, I think Felcher didn't have a great game, but you expected him to be a little rusty. Uh, we talked about Trier. We talked about Bingham. Uh, Boateng coming off the bench is a much better answer than Boateng starting. Um, has been now almost Boateng's entire career. Um, so that will be something you can continue to watch. Uh, also, with the transfer window closing now in about eight days, Kevin, nine days, nine days, yeah, maybe? May yeah, May 7th. Yeah, May 7th. Um, the LA Galaxy on the clock to still possibly bring somebody in um, on that offensive side. And Dennis DeClosa has talked about, you know, sort of getting somebody who's a Swiss Army knife who can play a bunch of different positions. And the more versatile they are, the better um, it'll work for the LA Galaxy. And we'll see how well, that goes. One thing that was left out of uh, the conversation last week when DeClosa talked about, he told me a couple weeks ago that they, all the things that he said, you know, they were scouting right. somebody, they were advanced uh, uh, scouting, they decided they liked him. It was going to be a versatile player because he's looking ahead to the U.S. Open Cup in the summer when it gets hot and people can't play every game. So he wants a guy that can fill in in the midfield on Saturday. Then in a midweek game, he can play forward. Um, but but the one difference is when he talked to me a couple weeks ago, he was he said, we don't know if we're going to be able to get him by the end of the transfer window because he's still playing with his club team, which told me he was a European player um, you know that had a club season that went through the end of May and didn't think his team would give him up. Last week he was talking about we hope to get him here by May 7th. Uh, that got me a little interested. It, it, did they change? Are they going for now perhaps a lesser player because the player they really want is not available? That doesn't seem like what Dennis would do. Or are they uh, exerting some pressure on that club and saying, look, you guys, you guys are where you are. You know, whatever team it is, you're you're not going to go up. You're not going to go down. It doesn't make any difference to you. It's a big deal to us. Can we work this out, uh, uh, you know, ahead of the the window closing? So I, I'm, I'm just curious whether they they change the player they want because they're panicking a little bit. They need somebody in here, or whether they're able to again exert some pressure and get that guy here earlier. Kevin, I don't know if you know this, but Ramon Alessandrini is injured. Uh, as a matter of fact, he had surgery last Thursday, and he will be out until September. You know, the funny thing about that surgery is I had actually asked, speaking of the Minnesota trip, I actually asked uh, two members, three members, three members of the Galaxy Crack PR staff um, that very question that uh, before the game on Wednesday, how is Ramon? And it was like, oh, well, we, uh, uh, you, have to ask, uh, you have to ask Guillermo. We can't tell you. Clearly, they knew something was up. So I asked Guillermo after the game, how's Ramon? And he said, well, I have to talk to the doctors. You know, we really don't know yet. We're going to talk to the doctors. I'll find out later. Uh, Twelve hours later, get a release that Ramon Alessandrini had undergone surgery. So clearly, everybody knew. The PR staff people knew. Guillermo knew. It was an emergency surgery. He was not picked up in an ambulance and driven to the hospital for emergency surgery. This was planned, and everybody knew what it was. I was a little miffed that they didn't tell me that. Um, and I tried to think, what could it be? Can't be competitive reasons because they'd already played the game. It was after the game that I asked Guillermo. So uh, they couldn't have been trying to keep anything from Minnesota. Minnesota clearly noticed that Ramon was not there and didn't play. So it wasn't a surprise to them. And the surgery was announced before the RSL game, two days, three days before the RSL game. So it wasn't a competitive advantage for the RSL game. So, uh, you know, I don't know why they did that, but I am not one of those people. We've talked about this before. I don't think players should be forced to tell them to talk to the media. I think they should want to. They shouldn't be forced. So this is not the Galaxy withholding something from the media. It's more the Galaxy withholding information from the fans and not, on, you know, honestly answering a direct question. How was Roman? I need to talk, talk to the doctors. Is not Roman's about to go into surgery and we'll let you know what happens tomorrow. Um, 
I kind of look at what what you and I do as the we're the conduit between the team and and the fans and the season ticket holders. They can't call all twenty thousand people that were at the and say, oh, if you're coming out to see Roman Alessandrini, if he's your favorite player, he's injured and he won't be able to play in the game. That's kind of what we do. Uh, we keep people up to date on you know who's going to start, who's going to play, who's having a good season, who's having a bad season, the team that's coming in, what 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 they're all about, and we can only do it if we get honest information. Uh, if um, I don't ask about Boateng and they don't tell me about Boateng, that's on me. But when I ask a direct question about a, a designated player and I get a less than honest answer, then that's on them. Yeah, I, it's it's hard to sort of put this one into perspective because I had been asking after the, the lineup was announced for Minnesota. I also asked uh, LA Galaxy PR about it, and I was told that we'll have a definite answer in the next couple days. It was like, okay, and uh, I knew you were in Minnesota, and I knew you were going to ask Guillermo about Roman, and I was like, we'll get we'll have the that, answer. That's because you told me to. Yeah, that is true. Uh, that and, and I couldn't remember if I actually texted you and told you or if I just thought that I did. Sometimes I sometimes I think things and, and don't do them. But yeah, I was like, you need to ask about Alessandrini. And you were like, yeah, okay, no problems. And so you ask, and then you don't get an answer. And then ultimately, it comes out for a press release on Thursday. I mean, is it just the matter of you want to wait till after the surgery to make sure that everything's okay? Is that the the sole motivation for this? Because it wasn't like this is this is a long term injury. The competitive advantage you've already covered is is out of there. I mean, it ultimately comes down to is what what is the responsibility of a team towards the reporters and towards the fans? Are they supposed to just be honest about things? Does it matter? I mean, you know, is this more of a a professionalism thing that you and I dig on more? Do you think the fans care that you didn't get an honest answer on Wednesday night? I mean, that's where I sort of come. I have to understand where the galaxy think it's okay to to you know, I'm not going to say lie, but certainly deceive in some of these in these questions. I mean, is that is that what's allowed? I mean, everybody knew that he was having surgery on Thursday. Um, there was there was no surprise. I guarantee that I'll, probably every person in the PR department knew that they were having that he was having surgery on Thursday. And if they want us to go through Guillermo as the sole injury provider, that's cool. But you're not getting the information whenever you're talking to Guillermo right now, and it's not coming out from a lot of things. Well, I mean, he didn't even know if you remember. He was not even sure it was an Achilles with Slaton and didn't know which leg it was in. Now, again, whether he was disseminating or or. or that's not even the right word. Whether he was uh, unclear or whether he just didn't want to tell us, I don't know. But yeah, I, I'm kind of on both sides of it, believe it or not. Um, if again, if I don't, I've been around teams that will come out after a game or whatever and say, um, by the way, this player, uh, you know, was injured before the game. Uh, it was in the clubhouse and they're going to, they're at the hospital now having surgery. Nobody noticed, nobody asked about it. The team is just getting ahead of the story and telling us ahead of time what happened. Um, that's always appreciated. Not, I, I don't necessarily know that, that that's required, but it's appreciated. So going back to the other example, if Sebastian Legette, um doesn't play and no one asks about him and the team doesn't say anything, that's, that's fine. Um, it'd be great if they did. But when you ask a direct question, how is Roman, and the answer is, is less than forthcoming, that's where I think the problem is, whether it's uh, because we're supposed to tell the fans or whether it's just they're honest. I mean, if I ask you, if if I ask you a, a question and and uh, and then you give me a, a you know a, a, an answer that that's a lie, um, it doesn't even matter what we're talking about. You just lied to me, and I kind of feel like Guillermo lied to me. And this all goes back to I know I, I get at social media a lot of times. People will say, "What did the galaxy do to you? Why are you so mad at them?" And it's not that I'm mad at them, but I do get mad over these these kind of things because I think it's unnecessary. And I'll go back to very early in the season. Somebody in the in the Galaxy P 
PR department told me in the press box, uh, and certainly they weren't supposed to say this, and uh, um, I think they know it was a mistake immediately. They said that Guillermo is going to be the conduit now between the media relations department will not make releases on the players, that Guillermo is the guy will tell us about injuries and status of players, so don't come to the PR department, and that they had already told Guillermo, by the way, you're being too honest with the media. You don't have to be that honest. And it's like, wait a minute. You just told me that the guy I'm going to to ask for injury information has already been told by the organization to lie. Yeah. Um, and that's how we started the season. And so maybe that's another reason why if if this were just a blip, like, oh, Guillermo had a slip of the tongue like Sarah Sanders did a couple of weeks ago. Okay, fine. You know, we'll move on. But I have information from a PR staffer telling me that they have already told Guillermo not to be honest with us. And then Guillermo's not honest with me. You know, where am I, what am I supposed to do with that? Yeah, it, it's 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 one of those us trying to figure out what the story is all the time. We always have to weigh all of these factors whenever it comes into it. So it, it's tough um, for, for and, and switching gears a little bit to Roman and actually his injury and sort of how it. Oh, how, yeah, he's hurt. Yeah, he's hurt. That's what you that's what you heard. Um Listen, this is this is the downward spiral for Roman Alessandrini. Um, certainly, if you look at you know his performance last year, and he struggled to stay healthy last year. However, he scored a bunch of goals and had a bunch of assists, and, and all of those things still happened, and he was good. Um, he was a he ended up being a good player, but he has been injured. Um, you look at his time. Let's see, he played sixty two point seven percent of the total available minutes in twenty eighteen, and through not through this last game, through uh, through eight games, he had basically played thirty nine percent of the total available minutes. Uh, whenever it comes in my story that I wrote on uh, on Alessandrini, I said uh, basically uh, ultimately the injury could mean that the Galaxy's designated player will be unavailable for at least the next nineteen games in the best of scenarios and could potentially miss 22 of 34 total games this season. And that's on, like, the best side of things, Kevin. Uh, this comes after Alessandrini has played just 281 minutes in 2019, missed three out of the first five games the club has played to this point, and didn't make it to, pa- to pass 25 minutes in two of the five games he started this season, all due to various injuries. This is this has been this has been a, a a thing that has been going on the last couple of years, and you look at Roman Alessandrini, and despite all of his success, and despite the goals that he scored, and the minutes that he's played, and all that stuff, um, you know there were questions about whether or not the LA Galaxy would renew Roman Alessandrini's contract prior to this season starting. And being they hadn't done it, uh, and you even went and talked to his agent um, in Marseille whenever you were there, but you know being they haven't renewed it the Galaxy have signaled pretty strongly that they're not going to be renewing Roman Alessandrini's contract. And the fact that he's going to miss 19 or 20 or 25 games, however it ends up being of this season, um, means that, yeah, he might come back for the playoffs, but that Roman Alessandrini doesn't seem to be, at least in my mind, Kevin, does not seem to be on the LA Galaxy's long-term plans for, you know, for 2020, whenever, whenever it comes down to it. Well, he had memory last year. He had a problem with the hamstring. Started out this year, uh, hurt the hamstring in the in the first game. This knee surgery. It's the third knee surgery in eleven years. The second one on the left knee. Um, he's going to be thirty-one first month of next season. And it, again, as as you mentioned, you know, he came to the Galaxy in his prime at twenty-eight. He was in the prime of his career. Had was playing in the first division in France. Um, and came here and had a great first season, 14 goals and 12 assists in his first season. He's the second leading scorer over the last three years, by the way, uh, the second only to Ibra. So he has had an an impact, and he's done everything right. I mean, he hustles. uh, His work rate is very high. He's a fan favorite because of that. He never gives up. He hustles, does what he's asked to do uh, for the most part. Uh, you know, has been has played well when he has played. But again, he's now on the wrong side of 30. He's had injury problems, missing a lot of time. 
No, he's not making a ton of money. Uh, it's about one, one point seven, one point eight million mm-hmm. uh, for a DP. That's you know that's just beyond Tamarine. So it's not like he's super expensive like like Gio was. But um, if they weren't going to give him an extension when he was uh, you know healthy coming into the season, certainly that's off the table. You know if he comes back and plays those last six or seven games and into the playoffs and plays lights out and is fantastic. Then I think maybe the equation changes a little bit, but he's still going to be 31, and he's still going to have an injury history. So whether they re-sign him as a DP, that's the other thing. They may be interested in bringing him back, but they're going to bring him back, I think, at their price. I don't think Ramon comes back as a DP, and he may not have anyways. Um, but he, you know, if he wants to come back, he's not going to come back as a DP. The, the other thing that, that maybe Ramon and his agent overplay their hand a little bit is – they made it known that he really loves the U.S. and really loves L.A. Um, and is not a hired gun. He wants to to be here long term, and so that may work against them because they they the Galaxy may look at it and say this guy's a little bit desperate. We can lowball him a little bit, but I do think that the injury is sort of the first act in uh, in his departure from the Galaxy, uh, unless. Unless he's willing to take a really low ball offer, and the Galaxy may not even want to do that. There's there's no secret that DeClosa and Guillermo they're remaking this roster, they're remaking the team. As as DeClosa said, it's a three or four year project, a couple more seasons working on this. Roman is a guy that they both talk very highly of. We uh, some people have asked me when I talk on this show about uh, uh, you know which players that Guillermo and DeClosa didn't like. I'm, I'm not going to name any names, but I will say that. Roman is one guy that they were very high on. Um, but again, the injury and the age. He's just not uh, – if you're rebuilding a team, um, it, that's not kind of the guy that you want to be uh, in your core when you realize you're not going to be where you want to be for another couple seasons. Yeah, it's, it, it's again, uh, it was interesting because there was lots of speculation about whether the Galaxy could put him on the season-ending injury list. Uh, Tocosa could slam the door on that pretty hard. Uh, whenever it came out on on Friday, and and basically it was like, yeah, that's that's not going to happen. Um, that's that's never going to happen. It doesn't make sense. And he also says it doesn't work that way for designated players. Something that I had hinted at whenever I was uh, writing my article on Roman Allison Journey and trying to go through it. So the season-ending injury list, and then if you wanted cap relief, you needed to sign a player, but that player couldn't make actually more than two hundred fifty thousand dollars. There's all sorts of MLS rules that get in the way on the season-ending injury list, and and I know you know Galaxy fans are familiar with it because. Because of Robbie Rogers and and you know his injury and his eventual retirement and how the Galaxy ended up getting Pele von, von Anholt um, as the replacement player and how that all worked, but because it's that was not at the DP level. At the DP level, it means a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, and but, so, but yeah. but the way that Dennis handled that, I mean, you're right, it, Dennis and Dennis could have laid out that argument. Look, we'd really like to put this guy on in the injury list, we'd, uh, but we're not going to get that much back for him. And he said, DP, and um, that's what we really want to do. We want to use this slot. But he didn't do that. And he knew going into that conversation with the media that that he couldn't do it. So rather than than talk about you know the rules, he said, this is a guy that we, we're going to help him through his rehab. We want to get him back. We need him for the end of the season. He's a very valuable player. If you look at what Dennis said, he was very... Uh, um, very complimentary of Roman and what he means to the team and how important he is to the team. I thought that was kind of classy because I knew that the putting him on the injury, uh, the season and uh, ending injury list would have been tough and would not have given the galaxy the, the, the money and the space that they needed. Um, so what he did in it, it turned around and, and made it look like Roman's the most viable guy on the team. Now, 
for Roman, if he gets back in, in August or September, um, he thinks the team really wants him back, and they do. But it, it, I just thought it was a classy way to handle it because he's going to get a motivated player back in September for two reasons. One is because the general manager just said he's one of the most valuable players on the team, and two, because he wants to make a last-ditch effort to get a new contract to stay here. I just thought the way the Galaxy handled that was really good, and it would not have been handled that way last year. Yeah, if Roman Alessandrini makes it back at the very, whatever the first game is in September, there are five games in September, uh, two in October, he would be able to play seven games at the remainder of the season, which is a good amount down the stretch. So if you get him back, but if it is, and like you and I have, have often seen, Kevin, if they have quoted a best case scenario, which is September, and not a realistic, which is September, uh, Roman Alessandrini might not make it back until, you know, the fourth game of September or the fifth game of September or the last two games in October. Um, all those things sort of affect, you know, what he'll have or, or, or what effect he'll have on the LA Galaxy in that stretch. And the Galaxy, you know, certainly right now in the position that they're at, and they weren't at this position last year whenever you look at it, um, they're in a position to be in the playoffs. So, you know, going into the playoffs and understanding that you're going to have single elimination matches in the playoffs and all sorts of fun stuff that's going to happen, having Ramon Alessandrini be back and healthy and ready to go is not a horrible thing to have happen, Kevin. Um, that, that saying, I don't think the Galaxy can possibly... Um, count on or expect him to play this season. I, I think it's just it, it's too much to ask to say that he's for sure going to play this season. If it happens, it's great, but they cannot go planning that out that way. No, remember last year or last couple of years, we heard Sebastian would be back from that injury he got in the World Cup qualifier. He did not come back at all that season. In fact, didn't even start training until in January uh, for preseason that year. Same thing with Bajo Husidic. He was going to come back and never did at the end of that season, and he was supposed to be back in midsummer. So you never can tell what the rehab and, and you know what the needs of the team are, how much they rush a guy back. But I, I just thought the Galaxy front office was very classy with the way they handled it. Again, I'll go back and say they would not have handled it. The front office that was in place would not have handled it that way, I don't think, last season. And for Roman, this is what he wrote on Instagram. He said, what can you do when you think you've already given it all? Get up and move forward. I had a successful knee surgery yesterday morning, the third in my career, and hopefully the last one. This one is for meniscus root tear. I'm very disappointed, but I will not give up, not now and never. Someone told me the ath athletes build themselves in adversity. Once again, I'm in the middle of it. I will be out at least four months. I see you soon, Los Angeles. There you go. I mean, again, he's he's a fan favorite because of the heart that he shows on the field and quite honestly off the field and his love for the uh, LA Galaxy. That's why he's a fan favorite. Um, I wouldn't count him out. I, you know, I certainly, I, it just, in terms of planning the team, uh, certainly Dennis DeClosa, Gamera Vershkolodo have to understand that Roman Alessandrini is not going to be available to them to to them for quite some time. And so you build the team without worrying about whether Roman fits into it or not. Um, you build it for, you know, this year and and 2020, quite honestly, um, as you're going, which you have talked to Teclosa, and he seems to have a firm grasp of not just building for this year, but building down the road, which is why if you look at uh, Pipo Gonzalez, uh, Giancarlo Gonzalez coming in, Pipo, he hasn't started yet, and I, I think that's a little surprising uh, to me, but now I understand sort of the philosophy that Guillermo has around him, which is how, why would I come in here and destroy something that Daniel Starris and Diego Polenta have built and, and have done a really good job with? Uh, the LA Galaxy D 
defense is one of the best defenses in Major League Soccer right now. Daniel Starris has been one of the most consistent defenders on the LA Galaxy and in Major League Soccer this year. Uh, Diego Polenta has been, after he sort of shook the rust off, has been a you know a rock back there for the Galaxy. Why was, and Guillermo you know, seems to be acknowledging this, why would I go through and just destroy that? People Gonzalez is here. He's going to be here for a while. There's a reason we went out to get him. He's a World Cup international guy. He understands how all this plays, and he's going to come in and help out, and he wants to do that because he knows he has a long-term place on this team as well. So there's no reason to tear something apart when it's working. If... They, if if Daniel Starris and Diego Polenta put in perfect games for the rest of this season, People Gonzalez may not get on the field as a center back. Um, but he's certainly coming in and, and doing these sort of spot fill-ins as he's getting comfortable with the team. And I think eventually, even with squad rotation, you're eventually going to have to sit one of those guys, and Gonzalez is going to finally get his start and, and get out there. Well, that's what Dennis and Guillermo are both looking at, depth. you know, And they've talked about that, and they're talking about it in, in the sense of the Roman replacement is that we want a guy who's versatile that can play two positions because we're looking down the road. We're seeing hot summer matches. We're seeing U.S. Open Cup. We're seeing, you know, uh, what is it, six matches in May. We see all these things coming down the pike, and we need some depth. And so um, Giancarlo Gonzalez sitting on the bench, that's not the worst thing in the world to have happen. No, no, it's not, and and it works for the Galaxy. It's again, you're right. They have depth. They have depth at every position. You look at the defensive side except of things, forward, except forward, and that's where. And to be fair, that's where they're trying to address things right now. Right. Um. And so you know that's that that all makes sense. Um. Going further, uh, team of the week was announced today by Major League Soccer. Um. Major League Soccer has put Jonathan Dos Santos, who I argue is the player of the month in April. You uh, argue that he's the player of the year and player he, of the century. He, he and is he's the, on your all-century team he, already. He is the LA Galaxy's most valuable player through nine games. Absolutely. Um, you can say it's Zlatan Ibrahimovic all you want. Jonathan Dos Santos has been way more consistent than, than Zlatan and has been a key contributor the fact that the LA Galaxy defense is so much better and a key contributor that they're scoring goals and they're able to control the midfield. Jonathan Dos Santos has been ridiculous so far this year. He deserves to be player of the month, hands down, Anybody who argues that didn't watch games in April. Now, it's always hard for me to, like, sort of say, and by the way, I would like to point out, I have absolutely no vote in the player of the month, which is not chosen by the North American soccer reporters. I have a, I have a vote in player of the week, and uh, Evan Bush and Jonathan Dos Santos were my two uh, picks today, and I had Jonathan Dos Santos as one and Evan Bush, Montreal goalkeeper from S2, and Evan Bush ended up winning. That's fine. I have no problems with that. Um, but you you look at this, and I, I don't have a vote on Player of the Month, but Jonathan Dos Santos needs to be in that consideration. Um, he played great. The other sort of surprise, maybe surprise, maybe not. I already told you that uh, Didi Traore was the highest-rated player on the field for the LA Galaxy. Uh, Traore made the bench for MLS Team of the Week in his more first champagne. MLS, more champagne. That was it, not. It was not. It was the uh, the sparkling uh, apple cider. That's what that was. Oh, it wasn't. It, was, okay. it wasn't hey, champagne. By the way, I have. I do have a vote for a player of the month oh uh, what's it worth to you yeah i was gonna say let's sell votes yeah that's good no you you vote however you feel is necessary but i would i would tell you that you should you should look at jonathan dos santos and he was the best player on the best team in the month if that doesn't get you the the player of the month i don't know what does yes well I, I'm, I'm thinking i'm, I'm just yeah, wondering I'm, what you're gonna offer a non-squeaky chair <laughs> hey, there, there, you have not heard a squeak today. I know. You got that WD-40. You WD heard a dog 40. barking. Yeah, that, or a little earlier. I don't think anybody... No, no. They, I, nobody even heard that. I'm a, ma I'm a wizard with this stuff. That's all that yeah, works. Yeah, that's because we recorded over it. But, uh, yes. 
All you listeners out there, there was a big dog barking fight earlier in the podcast, but we took care of it. Uh, as you look at these standings, the LA Galaxy stay in second, second in the Western Conference, second in the league. Uh, they now have the highest points per game, 2.44 points per game of any team in Major League Soccer. Um, so, I mean, you know, you're looking at what the Galaxy have done. The Houston Dynamo actually not that far behind. Uh, LAFC in terms of points per game is at 2.3. The Galaxy at 2.44. Uh, Seattle Sounders at 2. FC Dallas at 1.89. Uh, Houston Dynamo at 2.29, Minnesota at 1.56, and Real Salt Lake at 1.11 um, after the loss to the LA Galaxy. Uh, speaking of uh, where the Galaxy is and all those numbers, when you look back at the Bruce Arena teams from earlier in this decade, they had some incredible stretches where they had a lot of shutouts and, and a lot of wins at home and did all these incredible things. When you look at this team, I think maybe it's sneaking up on people because we've had a couple of lean years, but the numbers don't lie. When you look at these team at this team, they have seven wins and 22 points. Last season, when they almost made the playoffs, by the way, last season they didn't get to seven wins or 22 points until July. This time they did it in April. You look at David Bingham. You talked about the defense earlier. The goal that he gave up yesterday in the second half in the 64th minute, that was the first goal he's given up from the run of play in 470 minutes, he'd given up a penalty shot right. during that time. The Galaxy have six straight wins at home. They haven't done that since 1996. The first year in MLS, they played at the Rose Bowl. Zlatan was playing for a U15 team in Sweden. So these numbers are, are uh, you know, some of the best uh, of all time in the franchise and in, in MLS. When you look at Zlatan, the second uh player uh or well actually there's two others that are tied with him so he's the fourth player to get 31 goals in his first 34 games these are some remarkable streaks that the galaxy are putting together uh they rank with the best of all time on a team that has won five mls cups so there's something happening here yeah and they haven't played a great game yet no and, and that's sort of the thing is they haven't and you expect that it still gets better if you look though I mean as, as great as they are they're still at the fourth best start they've ever had in their history well it's the galaxy I mean it's you know it's it is it's history here it is um you go back to uh let's see if you go back to through nine games uh the 1996 team had 25 points through nine games uh the 1998 team had 25 points through nine games the 2010 team had 23 points through 10 games or excuse me through nine games and so the galaxy at 22 points are, are right behind those guys i mean you're looking at it and even if unfortunately even if you go to the next one almost everybody wins in the next game too in game number 10 so they're still going to be the fourth best even if they can beat uh the new york red bulls coming up which is going to be different uh, or difficult to do. Uh, Larry Morgan wrote a great article that sort of, you know, encapsulates the Galaxy defense, sort of the change that has been going on. But if you look at the LA Galaxy, through nine games, scored 15 goals, conceded eight goals, Kevin. So if you look at the offensive goals projected right now, you're looking at about 56, 57 goals over a 34-game period. Uh, and defensive goals right now, they are on they are on uh, uh, a pace to only give up a little over 30 goals. So 30.2 goals right now and that number is a jagged so in 2018 the goals conceded were 64 in 27 it was 67 uh some of the better years the galaxy have had 26 in 2010 and 28 goals in 2011 uh, as far as conceded 29 goals in 1999 so the galaxy have put together but that number right now and and they've had a bunch of home games and certainly the away games are going to start coming in uh there's the possibility that this la galaxy team is ridiculously good and i think everybody's sort of figuring that out now switching switching complete you know sort of pace on this the galaxy now have four games out of six 
Six games in the month of May. We've already talked about that. They will go be uh, on the road, and that's two East Coast trips as well. And that all starts on Saturday, um, a 2 p.m. Pacific time kickoff when the LA Galaxy versus New York Red Bulls um, at Red Bull Arena on ESPN. I'm going to check the time on that because that came from their training schedule, but I thought it was a lot earlier than that. So uh, I'll check it while Kevin talks here. But Kevin, well, the, the training schedule here is is a little interesting too in terms of when they're going to leave and where they're headed to. Yes, and they're taking a charter. And there's been a lot of talk about charter flights with some of the things that happened back on the East Coast with, with Montreal missing their flight to New England. It's only a 75-minute flight, and, and they, uh, the airline couldn't pull it off, so they had to get a charter. But each MLS team is allowed four charter segments a year. That means if they fly to Kansas City but they have a layover in Phoenix, uh, those are two segments. No one charters a flight to have a layover, so it's really – the, the idea of segments is kind of stupid. They have four charter flights. The Galaxy are using one because they're going to fly to New Jersey uh, for the game with the Red Bulls. They're going to fly on Thursday, train Friday. They're going to play the game Saturday. Then they're going to stay in New York, train and, and do regeneration on Sunday, fly to Columbus Sunday night, spend Monday and Tuesday in Columbus, play the game there on Wednesday, and then charter home. And the reason they're chartering home uh, is because they have a game with New York City on Saturday. If they charter home Wednesday and are able to get out of Columbus uh, on Wednesday and be in their beds Wednesday night, then they can train Thursday and Friday and be prepared for that game with, with New York City. If they didn't do that, if they waited, they would have just one walkthrough session between the Columbus game and the New York City game, and clearly that's not enough. So they're going to charter back. Um, you know, you talk about projections. I have them at 80 if, and they won't continue. No team is going to continue to play like this, but if they did just to let you know how they're doing, they're on, on pace for 83 points and 26 wins. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but as you're right, the, you know, things are going to get a little dicey with the schedule going forward. And then in, remember in June, they have only three games in June, but they have two in early July. They could be, they could have players miss all five of those games if they're called up for the national team. And, and who might get called up for the national team? Well, certainly Sebastian Legette yep. uh, is a candidate to get called up for the U.S. We're talking about the Gold Cup now. Uh, definitely Jonathan Dos Santos is gone. He's going to miss probably five games if their teams go deep into that tournament. Um, that the, the final is the first weekend in July, and then the Galaxy have a game on July 4th and July 12th. I don't think that the, the whatever player would would get back in time and be able to train and get ready for the July 12th game. So it's it's potential that uh, Jonathan Dos Santos can miss five games, Sebastian can miss five games. If David Bingham's dream comes true and he's back in the national team pool, he could miss a number of games. So things are only going to get tougher from here on out. But the good news is the Galaxy have done this without playing their best game yet. Yeah. We haven't seen that. I don't think we've seen what well, we've talked about. We haven't seen a 90-minute game. I'm not even sure we've seen a 60-minute game yet. Yeah, I think Minnesota was closest. I think it was about 70-something minutes. It might have been 68 or 65 or something like that. But yeah, you're you're right. That was that was the Minnesota home game where they won three to two and almost collapsed late in order to give that back. Uh, correction on the time because the times all while they were said they were listed in Pacific time on the training schedule was not. They were actually in East Coast time. So uh, the game is actually Pacific time, 11 a.m. on Saturday, May 4th. Uh, that game is broadcast on ESPN. That's where the LA Galaxy will travel to New Jersey and play the New York Red Bulls at Red Bull Arena. Um, and then, of course, it's the quick turnaround Wednesday, May 8th. They go to and play at Columbus uh, at Map Free Stadium there on Spectrum Sportsnet. That game at 4.30 p.m. Pacific time on Wednesday. So you're going to have to beg off work a little bit early if you want to watch that one from the very beginning. And I'm sure lots of you do. So two games coming in sort of rapid succession, possibly. It's three games in about eight days 
uh, whenever you look and add the New York City game um, that will be back at Dignity Health Sports Park. So you're going to get through the first three games of the six games that they play um, in May within eight days. And it's going to happen real fast. So it's going to and it's going to test that depth. My guess is we're going to see some Giancarlo uh, Gonzalez during this stretch. We're going to see, uh, you know, a lot more of Chris Pontius. So Perry Kitchen probably needs to hustle back because they could use him during this stretch as well sometime in May. Uh, hopefully he'll be able to get back on the field because I think they can use him now. Yeah, it seems to be all pointing in that direction, uh, Perry Kitchen. Actually, you know, that's one of those things. If there was actually training to go to this, uh, go to and, and sort of pay attention to earlier in this week, Perry Kitchen might be one of those people you might actually see out on the field now. Um, and so we'll be looking for updates on him as well. Yeah. Do you, do you play him in an LA Galaxy 2 game? I mean, I know they do that in baseball where a guy goes out and makes a rehab start or plays a few games just to get uh, you know his timing back. Do you put Perry Kitchen, a guy like him, a, a veteran? Yes. Uh, do you put him in a Galaxy yeah. 2 game? Yeah, absolutely. Because of the length okay. of time that he's been out, I would give him at least some time to sort of get his game legs under him in a game that doesn't matter. Um, so that way he understands because the problem is that Perry Kitchen is probably not going to start Kevin. So he's not going to be able to work himself into a game. He's going to have to come in off the bench and trying to get up to that game speed after you've been off as long as him. It would be nice to have at least one, you know, at least, you know, 60 or 70 minute run out on for LA Galaxy 2. So that way you can get your feet back under. That's just that's my thinking. Maybe uh, maybe the training staff thinks that, you know, in training, he gets that sort of tempo and understands and it'll be fine. But I think you're right with all the games coming. The Galaxy are going to test all of their depth as they come forward and so it'll be interesting um, to see where they plug in things and, and sort of how they rotate some of that stuff and Gonzalez is certainly one of those guys Boateng and Pontius rotating you know how do you rotate Antuna if you need to give him a break as well though he's 21 and you probably use his legs and, and say you'll be fine you're young you can recover um, all those things so it'll be a matter of managing minutes and I think that you know while we say that we haven't seen the LA Galaxy's best game I don't know that you would expect to see the Galaxy's best game in their next two that are both on the road um Maybe maybe coming home and, and playing against Colorado on Sunday, May 19th, after they were uh, at home on Saturday, May 11th in New York City. Maybe that makes sense where you might actually see the Galaxy be able to put some things together. But it's going to come fast and furious again because they go Sunday, May 19th, then it's Friday, May 24th, so that's a short week. Um, and then a short week again as it's away to Sporting Kansas City after that Orlando game on Wednesday, May 29th. That'll be a tough game, even though Sporting Kansas City is a bit of a train wreck right now. Uh, there's plenty of time for Sporting Kansas City to write, to, to write the ship in that particular one. And then, like you talk, Sunday, June 2nd, um, you know, is pretty close to Wednesday, May, May 29th. So it's very quick turnarounds through all of this for the Galaxy before they get a, a little bit of a break for what I'm calling the Women's World Cup break um, coming up, you know, from June 2nd second to june 22nd so well it's really uh, I mean, a gold cup break but, yeah yeah um, i'm i just i i'm 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 not paying attention <laughs> to that i will watch well, the women's world cup you know these two games on the road too the red bulls won the supporter shield last year and columbus crew team team giassi um they're going to be very tough you know a, a guy who you haven't heard of and and i wonder what his situation is now with all of the guys are bringing in on on defense now, Giancarlo Gonzalez, the Polenta before that. Then they have Araujo and and Traore now, who are definitely a part of the picture. You still have Shelvick, you still have Ralph Felcher, Romney going down to uh, right. Galaxy Two. Thomas Hilliard Arce. I wonder if we're going to see him again. Hilliard Arce, Ariano, Hugo Ariano as well. Yeah, I mean, those guys seem like they're locked into G2 right now, and that's probably where they'll stay to get minutes because they're not going to get minutes with the senior team. But with the rotation, with the tired legs, with injuries and everything else, and, you know, the Galaxy just played a game where I believe, Kevin, 
I believe they actually escaped without anybody getting seriously injured. Oh, knock on wood. Yeah, I was gonna. Well, I mean that that happened this last game. I can't I can't jinx that now. That happened last game. It coming forward could totally be, um, you know, sort of back to reality for the Galaxy, who haven't been able to stay healthy very much uh, this season. So um, again, the team looks like it's trending towards healthiness again, and Roman Alessandrini sort of gets set off to the side because you know he's not going to be back until until September. But the Galaxy seem to be inching closer to that healthiness, and it's probably at the right time that they do it with all these games coming up in May. All right. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? You good? No, we talked about a lot of stuff. Yeah, we went way too long. That's normal. People Congratulations are congratulations on that job, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you're funny. I actually have two real jobs, and then this fake job that I do all the time. And the fake job takes. <laughs> but up. you spend way more time on the fake job than Z- the real job. You don't. You don't know way that. Way more. You don't know that. I spend a lot of time on all of the jobs. So that's that's no, how that works. I'll call you to talk about the galaxy, and you go. I'm in a meeting. Let me step outside. Not like call me back, but. I'll put this work stuff on the side so we can talk about it depends on it depends on what the meeting most meetings are useless so whenever I'm like hey I don't need to be in this meeting I can step out for a second I'm like yeah what's up is there something important then you're like oh I wanted to talk about you know a goalkeeper becoming player of the week I'm like you know that's this your dream happened this week don't ask for it again who was player of the week that's right Evan Evan Bush Bush. that's right you keep going I really want to vote for a goalkeeper you got him there it was you congratulations two shutouts two shutouts he played he played well good for him and he also put charter flights on the on the uh, on on put it on the front page for MLS by by complaining so much about Montreal's poor travel situation. Hey, and as the as he should, and as they should, and that's one of those things MLS loves to pick up. All right. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, you can find him at kbaxter11, uh, and head on over to latimes.com where you can find all of his coverage of soccer in Southern California, including the U.S. Men's National Team, U.S. Women's National Team. Uh, both LA clubs in Soccer City, USA. There you go, Kevin. I got you. I, I wanted to poke Portland one more time. Soccer City, USA, right here in Los Angeles right now with both LA teams at the top of the standings in Major League Soccer. So head on over to LATimes.com for all of Kevin's coverage right there. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, at JGuessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. CornerTheGalaxy.com. You can find all of our podcasts, articles, videos, anything else that you want to know right there. Live show coming up on Thursday. You can find the link on the live button right there on the front page of cornerofthegalaxy.com. All right. For the panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter, I'm Josh Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Arajo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, Goodbye, everybody.